Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We're throwing down all of our slammers on today's episode. I'm Duff. I'm Amy. And this is Fad Tap. Now this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. And I'd like to take a minute and just sit right there. I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air. Hey, welcome to Fad Tabulous, a show where we review trends, fads, and crazes and give our crazy verdicts. My name is Patrick Duffy. I am Amy Domestico. Hello, Amy. How are you in this fine weather we're having? I'm doing great, Duff. It's been a beautiful day. It has. So, Amy, what are we talking about on today's episode? Today's episode, we are going to be covering the 90s, and there's so much that came out of the 90s that we could have talked for hours. We had this discussion this week, and we had to break it down, and we broke it down to kids' toys. Yeah. Yeah, people had a natural, fetishistic fondness for that decade. The uh, New York Times actually said it was the simplest decade of our American lifetime. I I don't know about you, but I kind of have to agree with the New York Times on this one. I do agree with you with that as well. Yeah. So let's start with everyone's favorite furry dude, the Furby. One of my favorites. <gasps> What's that? Me up. It's my Furby. Furby loves you love and Tickle me. Furby, the first gigapet oh, you pet. Go ahead. Pet me. Teach to say her name. Me? No, no. Play games. Be bad. Oh. And love you back. Uh-oh. <laughs> Your Furby sneezed and gave mine a cold. Now, for those who don't know, the Furby was a, an electronic robot of sorts that resembled a hamster or owl-like creature and went through quite a period of must-have toys. I would liken it to a gremlin. Oh, yeah, except you can actually feed them after midnight. Or get water on them. <laughs> Now, what you might not know about the Furbies is that the NSA banned them as possible spies because they could repeat everything someone said. (laughs) Over 40 million Furbies were sold during the first three years of its original production, and the newly purchased Furby starts out speaking entirely Furbish, which was a unique language that Furbies used. Uh, It can eventually pick up speech patterns and learn words and and phrases, and uh, it's kind of like a dog, except cleaner <laughs> oh yeah yes i don't know that i ever owned a furby but I, oh, I, I did it's another thing that i think my wife did own i had a few i love them one of my favorite things did you ever put a couple of furbies in the same room with each other and have them repeat after themselves i believe i did my brother and i both had them i never saw the point in them but they definitely were cute for their time period So I've heard some pretty crazy stories where Furbies have come out with some pretty demonic sayings and said some pretty crazy stuff in the middle of the night. People wake up and their Furbies are saying these god-awful things. Yeah, but you can't believe everything you hear on the internet. No? No. No. I mean, (laughs) come on. I know. This show's on the internet. We're not exempt either. 
<laughs> so you can actually hack into one of the newer Furbies because they actually run on Bluetooth technology and you can upload your own sound clips. You can Rick roll your friends or just plain scare the bejesus out of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, that right there gives it a fad tabulous in my book. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I give it a fad tabulous as well. All right. Well, let's do things a little bit backwards today. We've already deemed it to be fad tabulous. Let's talk about what category this falls in. We've got fads, trends, and crazes. I'd say craze. I agree with you. I agree with you. I I would almost think a trend, but these newer Furbies, I don't think they really took off. No, I don't think they did either, but I still remember the craze that surrounded the name Furby. It was every bit as bad as the Tamagotchis and the Digimons that we talked about a couple of episodes ago. And it's not too different than your Tickle Me Elmo craze of the early 2000s. Which actually is the next thing we're going to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we both agree it's craze, right? I agree it's a craze. All right, cue the drop. <laughs> Tickle Me Elmo is a children's toy from Tycho Preschool, which is a division of Tycho Toys. And it's based on the character Elmo from the children's Muppet TV show, Sesame Street, which I, I'm sure I love you're familiar Sesame. with. I love Sesame. I grew up on Sesame Street. I still watch Sesame Street. 123 Sesame Street. It's the only address to care about. Yep. I actually still watch it because I have a kid who watches it and you get sucked right in. It's a great show. Yeah. Um, but Tickle Me Elmo, when squeezed, he chortles and vibrates and, and, and he laughs and giggles. The toy was first introduced in the United States in 1996 and the doll's short supply due to the unexpected demand like the Furby, led to a secondary market where scalpers would sell the plush toy for hundreds of U.S. dollars. Oh. People reported that the toy which retailed for $28.99, had been advertised in the newspaper and on the internet, asking up to $1,500 by the year's end. I wonder how the companies feel about that stuff. Oh, they hate it. It's it's known. It, 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 everyone except for Nintendo uh, seems to hate that stuff. Secondary markets, right? Is it not they call it secondary markets? Yeah, yeah. They call it secondary markets. It, it's essentially a capitalist system gone wrong, in my opinion. <laughs> no, because like Tickle Me Elmo really gave the way to those eBay sellers you see nowadays. For example, mm -hmm. you look at the newest Nintendo product, which in this, in, in well, as of current recording, it's the Nintendo Switch. This mm -hmm. thing, you can't find it in stores, just like the Nintendo Classic Edition that came out last Christmas. You can't find them anywhere. Why? Because as soon as they get off the truck, they are purchased in bulk by these nitwits that want to make money by selling them on Craigslist and OfferUp and LetGo and eBay and all these other online selling mechanisms. And it, it really hikes up the price. It hikes up the, the, the craze for it, and it eliminates the availability at retail locations. So we're just going to call it Black Market Elmo. There you go. There you go. There you have it. Now, let's talk about category. How would you categorize the Tickle Me Elmo? Again, it's, it's a hard one because Elmo is such a trend, right? I'm going to call it a fad. I'm going to call it craze. It was most certainly a craze in my opinion. And uh, the, just the idea of Elmo, yeah, he's definitely a trend. But the Tickle Me Elmo, you can still go out and get one today. There's... 
For example, mm-hmm. there's a new video out there that is a picture of Tickle Me Elmo with all of his skin, I guess you can call it, taken off. So it's just him and plastic and sensors and a voice box. It is the most sadistic thing I've seen all week. Uh, I haven't seen that. We'll link it in the show notes, I'm sure. I don't know. Naked Elmo might deserve a picture on the website. <laughs> it's it, it's it's <laughs> eerie. It's scary. It's disturbing. And I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, yeah, the dark I'm, side uh, of Sesame Street. <laughs> so I'm going to call it a craze. Okay. We, we disagree, as usual. <laughs> uh, well, we had a good roll starting off the show, but it can't continue forever. So we're going to be doing something totally different this week. In the past couple of weeks, I've done something to each show, and this week you're going to do it to me. And what is that going to be? Giving you gray hair. <laughs> I've already got a head full of that. <laughs> I may have one left that I could put your name on, but we'll see. <laughs> well, write me in, because I am going to be giving you some trivia this time. I know, and I'm really excited, because each week I've come up with trivia questions to stump the duff, <laughs> and uh, I was successful a little bit, but this week you're going to try to stump the Amy. Yeah, I think I'll be all right with that one. Hey, we're going to go to a break, but when we get back... We're going to be playing with our pogs, and that's not an innuendo. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hi, this is Mama B from Rogan Tell Chatroom. When I shop on Amazon for things like dried mealworms, gun holsters, and chicken toys, I go to rogantell.com slash Amazon. It doesn't cost me anything extra, and it helps out my favorite podcast network. Again, that's rogantel.com slash Amazon. All right, we've been waiting for the last couple of minutes now to do this one for you. This one is Pogs. I find Pogs fascinating. I do indeed, but never as much until today, because I learned that Pogs are, well, as Amy put it, fascinating. (laughs) The game of milk caps probably originated in Maui, Hawaii during the 1920s, with origins in Menko, a 17th century Japanese card game very similar to milk caps. Which is what makes it fascinating. Yeah. The game of milk caps was played on the Hawaiian island of Maui as early as 1927, and there are cap collectors out there to prove it. Pog in the game's namesake is a drink, an acronym really for the juice's ingredients, Pomegranate, orange, and guava. Man, now I want to go to the store again. First, you had me wanting to go to the store for Twinkies, and now I need to go to the international (laughs) section of my grocer to get guava juice. At least this is healthier. (laughs) I thank you for that, Amy. You could add some some chia seeds to that. (laughs) (laughs) This drink was had by millions of Hawaiians each month. If you live in California, Oregon, or Washington, you might be able to get your hands on a bottle. Now, this takes us to the 1990s. The revival of the game is credited to Blossom Galbizo, a teacher who introduced the game she had played as a little girl to a new generation of students. That's awesome. Yeah, I I was a huge fan of Pogs back in the day. I was in middle school. Well, dare I say high school as a freshman anyway. And it was just a really entertaining, fun thing to do. 
I loved the slammers. Slammers were basically pieces of really heavy metal or plastic or glass that you used to throw on top of these milk caps, which were corrugated paper, and uh, you had to flip them over. Now, don't ask me how to play the game beyond that, because I have since forgotten that long ago. But I did love collecting. I never played, but I collected like crazy. So we were both pod collectors. Did you know that the pog eventually evolved into promotional items like pins and buttons and all those? I'm sure McDonald's probably gave some away in their Happy Meals as well. You know, I never did get any pogs from McDonald's. That's a good thing to look up. I'll have to look that up someday. You look that up while I'm uh, giving another fun fact here. I'll pass. So check it out. The Army has been using pogs in Iraq and Afghanistan as currency. They're like casino chips, and when they're done with their tour, they can actually trade them in for money. And because the soldiers started to save them as mementos of the war, they started making them into more interesting pogs, and there's uh, Marvel ones that are over there now. Marvel superhero pogs, and they use things like Iron Man, She-Hulk, which I've actually never heard of, um, and of course, Captain America, And this created demand for the pogs amongst collectors because you know what? You and I, as a civilian, cannot get them. See, that makes me want them even more. I know. I want one now, too. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I know what I'm going to pick for this one. I am definitely going with Trend. Yeah, I agree with you on this one. All right. And is it fantabulous? Yes. Woohoo! We agree. Well, Amy, we're getting down to the last couple of topics for today's episode. What's next on the list? Next on the list is actually a pretty creepy, scary thing that came out of the 90s, and that's the Goosebump books, which it actually transcended further than books. It went into TV shows and a movie. Goosebumps is actually a series of children's horror fiction novellas, and they were written by an author named R.L. Stein. So R.L. Stein never planned on being a writer of books that were like creepy or scary. He always wanted to be a funny writer. He actually started writing at the age of nine, and he would write these little books for his friends at school with, a, with an actual typewriter, and they would have jokes and goofy stories. And He worked for Scholastic Publishing, writing kids' stuff, and it was always upbeat, happy, fun stuff. And Scholastic came to him one day and said, why don't you write mystery books for kids? And he did, and they were a huge, huge hit. But funny fact about these, um, Goosebumps books were number 15 on a list of books that people wanted banned. Why? I don't know. Because everybody's got to have a problem with something these days. Can't we all just get along? I know, right? Even more funny, though, was Madonna's book, which was called Sex, was number 18, which means more people wanted to ban Goosebumps, which were mystery books for kids, than a book about sex. (laughs) And someone who was of prime age to have read the book, or at least perused the book from Madonna. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I will tell you, way more explicit than anything. (laughs) Gosh, what is wrong with our country? (laughs) I don't know. 
Uh, that's a that's a that's a large question there, Duff. Large <laughs> question. Now you said that uh, Goosebumps weren't just books. No, they went on to be uh, a TV series, which was made in Canada, and they tried to make a movie twice. There was two failed attempts, but they finally got it done. They made one movie, and five video games spun off from those books. Wow! And R.L. Stein's statement about Goosebumps series for kids. I never planned to be scary. I always just wanted to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> so surely that must give R.L. Stein a walk down fabulous lane. I disagree. Wait a minute. How can you not agree? I just never got into those books. Well, neither did I. But surely you can see the amount of success that R.L. Stein has had because of the books, film, movie, games. I just I don't think they're fabulous. All right. All right. Sorry, R.L. Stein. <laughs> I knew the name growing up. Just because I didn't read the books doesn't mean it wasn't fantabulous. I'm going to give it a fantabulous. Now, what would you categorize Goosebumps as a franchise? I would call it a craze. Okay. All right. Well, I'm I'm still sticking to the fantabulous, but I'm going to go with a trend. A trend? Why a trend? Picture this. 25 years goes by. J.K. Rowling decides to come out with another Harry Potter franchise. You can't tell me that people wouldn't be all about that, even 25 years later. Now picture today. R.L. Stein decides he wants to put out a series of movies based on the books and do a Harry Potter wannabe type thing. I honestly don't think that people would be as psyched about it as they would if it was a J.K. Rowling experience. I agree. Okay, well, that's why I'm calling it a trend. I just thought it was a craze. Okay. So we disagree. We do disagree. We're used to that. <laughs> now, this one I'm sure we're going to agree on. This one is Beanie Babies. Uh, Beanie Babies were a line of stuffed animals made by Ty Warner Incorporated. They were later named Ty Inc. as of November 91. Despite the fame, there were only nine original Beanie Babies released in 1993. That's crazy. There were so many of them. I could still walk into the store today and see those things laying all over the shelves. Yeah. You know, uh, I went to the, the Goodwill a couple of weeks back and, uh, you know, just looking for good deals on old turntables or whatever. And right. uh, I, what, I, what I found was a huge amount of brand new tag still on the ear, Thai Beanie Babies. I'm not talking about the knockoffs. I'm talking the real deal. And, uh, yeah, Thai Beanie Babies were all over the place. Now, here's a personal story of mine. I was a senior in high school. I was living at home with my father at the time, and, uh, well, we needed a new roof on the house. Well, me being into carpentry and mechanics and just working with my hands all around, uh, he graciously allowed me to stay home for three days from school. Uh, the way I figured is, you know, I can make up the tests and, and homework and all that because I had honor roll, so I was good. So we spent three days on that roof, sun up, well past sundown. And I remember for lunch and sometimes dinners, my father sent his wife out to get some happy meals. And he said, get as many as you can, because that's when the Thai Beanie Babies were in your happy meal. And man, those things were so hard to come by. They were given randomly. So you had no idea what you were going to get until you opened it up. And I think that was a, a huge part of the, the appeal to it. So at the end of the week, we had a new roof and a bunch of Beanie Babies. 
What did he do with the Beanie Babies? Oh, that was that was that was my stepmother's thing, not mine. Did they ever sell them? I mean, I know some people sold those things for a lot of money. Yeah, that part I don't know. Uh, I I know there were a line of stuffed animals that were NFL endorsed, and there was a stuffed oh. animal. I think it was stuffed bears in uniform for all of the teams. And I think uh, my father had that complete set and ended up selling it for quite a nice piece of profit. Cool. Well, there's one family that actually spent over $100,000 on beanies and hoped they could sell them and put all five of their kids through college. That's insanity. I'm going to shake my head and just go, why? Unless they were able to pay for said tuition. I don't think they could because that whole entire... You know, influx of price didn't last very long. No, it really didn't. I will say, though, this further went on to encourage the mass purchasing with the idea of reselling it on eBay or one of those sites, because eBay was around in the late 90s. Well, eBay was actually the major factor in the beanie craze. Oh, no kidding. All right. Yeah. Um, The last beanie that was ever made, guess what it was called? I give up. The end. <laughs> well, was it a horse's butt? <laughs> Possibly. I'll have to look that one up. Yeah. Um, at its height, people were actually flipping beanies for a thousand percent profit. That's just crazy. Crazy explains it. So what else can you tell me about these things? Well, you know how beanies are, are understuffed and they're 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 kind of they kind of look like there was a teddy bear that wasn't finished being made. They're kind of limp. Yeah. Yeah, it was done on purpose so they could be posed. Huh. All right. Yeah. Now, there's a couple that actually went to court over their Beanie Baby collection during a divorce. They had to divvy it up. (laughs) You know, there's even a weird rumor about the insides of Beanie Babies. Ugh, what was that? Well, the, the big thing on the web was they were little pellets made with spider eggs. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> Alas, it was not true, of course, but it still was pretty fun. I do remember that one. It's probably started by a competitive company. I would not doubt it one bit. <laughs> well, there's one last fact about Beanie Babies that I think is pretty hilarious. Okay, shoot. The Beanie Baby mania began when neighbors started swapping them in Chicago. Well, then. Isn't that a the more you know moment? It sure is. (laughs) You know, speaking of Chicago, that brings us to our mail time segment. Mail time. We've got some pretty awesome fans out there already, and this is only our third episode. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm liking it. And you know what? So is Lauren Jones from Schaumburg, Illinois. She wrote in to fadtabulous at rogintel.com with her email. She said, I can remember wanting one of those really big boomboxes you guys talked about when I was a kid. You know, the kind with detachable speakers, dual cassette decks, and a lot of blinking lights. And totally being heartbroken when my parents wouldn't let me get one because of how expensive they were and how much keeping a steady supply of D batteries would cost. I totally understood when I became an adult and had a kid of my own that I had to keep supplied with gadgets and batteries. She finished her email with saying, Your show is totally rad. Looking forward to a trip down memory lane each week. Thank you so much, Lauren, for writing in. If you want to be really cool like Lauren, you can email us, fantabulous at rogintel.com. All 
right, we talked about it earlier, and now it's time to see if I can get you, Amy, on some trivia. I am scared. <laughs> well, you should be. The now, music just did it, though. Like, I wasn't scared before you played the music, and now I'm scared. <laughs> well, you know, it's full-time production on this show. <laughs> can you recall the piece of music we played at the top of the show? Oh, God, yeah. The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, one of my faves. All right, so you know about Carlton and his funny dance, correct? Oh, gosh, yeah. I saw him do it on Dancing with the Stars. Uh-huh. Most people don't know that Alfonso Ribeiro, who played Carlton, was actually parodying another infamous silly dance. Whose? Well, I actually saw him do this dance again on Dancing with the Stars last year. It was pretty hilarious. Not fabulous, by the way. It, it was. He's fabulous. He might be, but that show is not fabulous, in my opinion. Continue. Dancing with the Stars? Correct. I only watched it because of him. I'd never watched it before, and I haven't watched it since. Okay, well, but, then you're still cool in my book. Well, thank you. So I do know the answer to this question, like I said, and he is parodying Courtney Cox from Bruce Springsteen's video, right? Name the video. Dancing in the Dark? All right, you got me. Did I? You got me. I am a product of the 80s, you know. Well, <laughs> you're a product of the 70s. You're a child of the 80s and an adolescent of the 90s. <laughs> there you go. See, I am a product of the 80s, a child of the 90s, and an adolescent of the 2000s. Guess our ages. Right in at Rogue Intel. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not. But instead, I will tell you about what's trending this week on Rogue Intel. Clint Daly gives us some more updates about the close of the NBA season. And we all wish that the NFL would just hurry up and get here already. And in other genres, Table Reads does The Crow Part 3. Table Reads is a show that does table reads of scripts that were too bad to make it to Hollywood. This one I am very interested in because I am a fan of The Crow. So if you're interested in that kind of goodness, head over to TableReadsPodcast.com. Well, Amy, another week is over. And another podcast is up. Yeah, it only took us 20 hours to get this one done. Nah, it didn't. Now, nah, we're getting into a system. I, I, I'm beginning to get into the groove, and I'm enjoying it. I look forward every week to our episodes being released and everyone listening to them at fantabulous.com. You just like me teaching you lots of useless information. And you like hearing me say the words, natural fetishistic fondness. That's got to be by far one of the best things we'll probably ever say on this podcast. Yeah. Right there. Done. <laughs> we can quit now. Everybody can go home. Well, we haven't told everyone what's in store for next week's episode. Next week, we are going to be talking about something that has lit the internet on fire over the past couple of years. <laughs> We're going to be talking about the insanity that is a viral challenge. Uh, you're going to make me do an ice bucket challenge, aren't you? Or eat one of those really hot peppers on air. I'm going to give you cinnamon. <laughs> oh, until next week, then. I've been Duff. I've been Amy. You've been listening to Fadtabulous, a proud member of the Rogantel podcast family. Head over to fadtabulous.com to subscribe and interact, and head over to rogantel.com slash Amazon to support our network every time you shop. Thank <laughs> you.
the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.